You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to New York. This is, is the Devil's Devil State, State of Mind podcast, podcast, brought to you brought by to you the Hockey, Hockey Podcast, podcast Network. Network. Now here's now your here's host, host, Neil Villapiano! I'm back home, and it feels so good. What is going on, Devils fans? It is your boy, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of the Devils State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day wherever you're listening to these podcast episodes. Thank you guys as always, really, really thank you guys as always for taking some time out of your day to check these episodes out. I really, really do appreciate it. It means the world to me. As you can tell by the tone of my voice and the fact that I was able to do my woo, I am now back home from my trip in Chicago. I got back, um, when did I get back? I got back late Friday night around like 10 o'clock Eastern time. Um, and this is only really basically the second day since I got back from Chicago. I'm still pretty tired from obviously, you know, traveling and everything like that, but I'm just really ecstatic to be back home with my family, with my friends. I went out last night to celebrate a friend's birthday. I'm probably going out later today to do some bowling or something like that, but I've had the pleasure of also watching some devil's hockey and there has been a lot of excitement from this team since the last time uh, we spoke. Uh, this team continuing to be a tough, gritty, ultra-competitive team, and we have a lot to talk about today. We're the, Basically, this whole episode is going to be recaps of the last three games against the Islanders, against the Bruins on Saturday, and then against the Rangers on Sunday. So there's a bunch that we have to talk about. Uh, thank you guys for showing your support for me uh, while I was in Chicago. I really do appreciate it. I'm ecstatic, like I said before, to be back home, and I'm looking forward to continuing to bring you guys the energy for this very, very exciting team. So we have a lot to get to, so let's not waste any more time and get rolling. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, the first game we're going to recap is the game on Thursday night at home against the New York Islanders. First time this season that we faced off against the Islanders. Uh, my good friend who I've talked about many times, uh, Kim Moisa, Isles Girl 3, she was at the game as well as many other Islander fans. And look, We've seen it before where Islander fans, I mean, in general, are just such a passionate fan base that they they do show up, especially when the games are close. Granted, they don't go to Rangers games because prices are absolutely ridiculous at the Garden, but obviously prices are more fair um, at the Prudential Center. So a lot of the time you will see a lot of Islander fans show up. The other thing that I would say that made it obvious that the Islanders uh, had a large uh, gathering uh, for this game was simply that this was the closest the Islanders have had to a home game because they're still waiting to play uh, in just a couple of days, I believe, um, their first ever game at their new arena, the UBS Arena, um, right by Belmont Belmont Racetrack. Um, So this is the first time that really Islander fans in Long Island uh, had a chance to go see their team. So a lot of them probably took the Long Island Railroad and then the New Jersey Transit to to the Prudential Center. So shout out to all the Islander fans that made it. Um, I understand how Devils fans can be frustrated that uh, maybe at times it looked like we were outnumbered, but you could also understand from the Islanders perspective, why so many people showed up. Um, also, we got to be honest. Um, it, it is, it is one of those situations with the Devils where we're still not sure exactly what type of team we're getting right now. It's still early in the season. They've showed a lot of really good flashes. I mean, coming off a seven to three dominating victory against the Florida Panthers a few days ago to then coming into this game, you don't know what you're going to get. And you know, you're facing a tough Islander team. You know, you're facing an Islander team that even though they've gotten off to a a relatively shaky start, particularly from their defensive perspective, um, This is still a team that has made the conference finals the last two years um, and could very well be a Stanley Cup contender this year when it's all said and done. But going into this game, I honestly would say that I felt relatively confident. I felt like the team was coming in with a lot of confidence, talking about it from the devil's perspective, coming in with a lot of confidence, a lot of belief in themselves. And even Nico Gishier said it. He said you could see the confidence with these guys, with the team, just continuing to grow, especially knowing, you know, we know the reality of what's going to happen with Miles Wood probably out for the rest of the year. So he can't, so he's not going to be able to play. Jack Hughes has been progressing a lot. And we're going to, men- we're going to talk about Jack Hughes in a little bit, because there is some important information that I wanted to, uh, to share with you guys about Jack Hughes. Um, but you look at, you, you go into this game and you feel pretty good about, you know, everything. Mackenzie Blackwood obviously was going to be in the net for this coming in, looking for his second victory of the season. Blackwood, has honestly looked like Mackenzie Blackwood that we've seen before. He looks very, very confident in net. He's making a lot of really key saves, and that's really important for this team. Knowing that Jonathan Bernier has played well, um, but then obviously at one time we had Scott Wedgwood and Nico Dawes as our our goaltenders, it's just a relief, like I mentioned before, to have both Blackwood and Bernier healthy and playing because we are going to need them severely in these tight games against the tough opponents, especially in the Metropolitan Division. But you go right into the game, and I would say early on, it was a little bit, you know, back and forth. The Islanders, I think, dictated the pace a little bit more. They had some really good opportunities, but Blackwood just continuing to get off to a good start uh, this season was making some really, really good saves. And that, again, is going to be very, very vital as this season progresses because we are really going to need him to make some plays. He's going to be massive as this um 
this season progresses. But then we go to about the 11-23 mark, and Jesper Bratt uh, got a penalty for holding as he held the stick of Brock Nelson. So the Islanders were going on the power play. And knowing how the Devils had been relatively playing of late when it came to the when it came to the um, the penalty kill, you were hoping that they would continue to play well on the penalty kill and have success. And not only did they have success, they were able to score shorthanded. And it just was a situation where Nico Gieser threw the puck at the net. It was a little bit of a scramble. And then Yanni Kokinen with a wide open net was able to knock it in. And the Devils were able to gain the one nothing lead. And Yanni Kokinen, who I had called out last week saying that he had to start getting going, start playing better, He's been playing very well. He got his third goal of the year on that goal. Nico Hischer with his sixth assist. And P.K. Subban, who surprisingly offensively has actually been involved in a lot of the goals so far this year, got his fifth of fifth assist of the year at the 12-12 mark. And that's where things stood at the end of the first period with the Devils up one nothing. So that was a really, really good start. But as some of the people that I was talking to while watching the game, I said, one goal is not going to win us this game. I know the Islanders usually have a lot of problems when it comes to scoring, but this Islander team, even, you know, especially with some of the other acquisitions that they have, you know, they, they re-signed Kyle Palmieri. They brought in Zach Parise. Uh, they still have Matt Barzell. Anders Lee is back. Brock Nelson can still score. John Gabriel Pajot in that third line. That the Islander team at any moment can start scoring and score a lot. So the Devils knew that they had to come out in the second period and find a way to score again. And here's the thing. Throughout the majority of this game, the Devils were outshot, but they weren't outplayed. That's the thing I noticed. I think the Devils defense could have done a little bit better when it came to getting in front of shots and blocking them, even though the, the Devils made a considerable amount of blocks. Uh, when Mackenzie Blackwood has to make well over 40 saves, that looks good on him. It doesn't necessarily look good on the defense. Um, so that would be the one criticism that I would say of the team in general in this game that I felt like they allowed the Islanders to have too many opportunities um, to, you know, to really get point blank shots and create opportunities for themselves. But luckily, like I said before, Mackenzie Blackwood was able to uh, have success. And then we get to about the last two minutes or so of the period, and the Devils went to the power play. And we've seen in the last couple of games, coming off scoring twice on the power play against Florida, that the power play has started to gain confidence and have success. Well, it would continue here with about 50, 50 seconds left. Dougie Hamilton took a slap shot from the point that deflected off the back heel of Tomas Tatar and redirected into the net to give the Devils the 2-0 lead. Tomas Tatar, who has had some really good opportunities, hadn't scored, finally gets his first goal as a Devil. You saw from his reaction the excitement that he had, getting the crowd fired up. And it was such a big goal because it's within the last two minutes of the period, gets you that momentum going into the third. And that was just such a big goal. Tatar getting his first of the year, Dougie Hamilton getting his fifth assist of the year, and Pavel Zaka, who continuing to honestly, in my opinion, get off to the best start of his career, got just his third assist of the season, but he has really, really been rolling. So you go into the third period, and again, it's only 2 nothing. And we know from years past that the Devils definitely do struggle when it comes to maintaining uh, multiple goal leads. In the game against Florida, they built upon getting back the lead and didn't relinquish it and ended up scoring several more goals to win 7-3. to three. The same thing can be said for the third period of this game. The Devils just continue to put shots on Ilya Sorokin and really just, you know, create a lot of really, really good opportunities for themselves to score. 
and eventually they would get rewarded. Dawson Mercer on a breakaway, just 546 into the third period. He was able to beat Sorokin to get his fourth goal of the season to make it three to nothing. Andreas Johnson getting his fourth assist of the year and Jesper Bratt getting his fifth assist. And I'm going to talk about this line a little bit more when we talk about the Bruins game. But really, when you look at that line of Dawson Mercer, Andres Johnson, and Jesper Bratt, they are the best line of this team. They're not the first line, they're the second line um, of our team, but they are the most impactful, the most consistent, and they have the most chemistry of any line on this team. They just seem to find each other and create so many good offensive plays. And to me, it really starts with Dawson Mercer. The speed that he brings and the level of confidence he has as a rookie just shows you, just gives off confidence to Ball Johnson, who's off to the best start of his time in, with the Devils. He already, I think, has the same amount of points this year that he had last year, and that was in 52 games, which shows you that Andreas Johnson is, is definitely on a revenge tour and trying to prove that the Devils made the right decision to acquire him and bring him to New Jersey. And Jesper Bratt, who I've seen many videos of during the offseason working out, this guy just has the unbelievable ability with his stick to go from looking like he's going to take a wrist shot to getting it back on his backhand, use the power move and create and create a lot of space. And with the Devils having so much speed, you can see how even with a slower team and a more defensive team like the Islanders, it's hard for them to keep up. And as a result, you could see the, op the opportunities that the Devils have been able to create for themselves. And that was huge. The Devils sort of locked it down defensively after getting that third goal. Uh, again, Blackwood had to make a lot of good saves. And once you got to about the five-minute mark, you, pre you pretty much knew the Devils were going to win the game. The only question mark was simply that, were they going to um, were they going to find a way to help Mackenzie Blackwood get the shutout? Um, but Dougie Hamilton, uh, you know, put the cherry on top. He got himself his third goal of the year on a nice, on a nice shot. Um, that was, it. like I said, his third of the year. Uh, Ryan Graves getting an assist. That was his fifth of the year. And Jimmy Vesey, who continues to be a spark plug on that fourth line, getting himself his first assist of the year. It's kind of weird how he hasn't gotten an assist yet, uh, but he got one there. And the Devils were able to make it 4 nothing, And that's all she wrote as the Devils come away, you know, behind a 42-save shutout from Mackenzie Blackwood, defeat the New York Islanders 4 to nothing. And there are two reasons why that game is so important to win. Number one, you're taking on one of the many very tough teams in arguably the toughest division in the NHL, and that is the Metropolitan Division. You're taking on an Islander team that, like I said, has been in the final four of the Stanley Cup playoffs in each of the last two years and definitely has championship aspirations. And yes, you can clearly see from a defensive perspective and even from an offensive perspective, the Islanders are off to a rough start, but that's not going to last all season long. I'm almost certain by the next time the Devils play the Islanders, they're going to have a much tougher time, especially when they play in that new arena um, in Belmont. But the Devils having to get that was such a confidence booster because you win. Not only do you win and win your third game in a row to create a three-game winning streak, but you win within the division, which is so important. And you're not giving your divisional opponents points. You're not leaving points on the table. You're going out there and defeating your divisional opponents. And that is going to come in handy when we get down to the nitty-gritty of this season especially when we get back from the Olympic break, depending on where the Devils are, it's very important that the Devils win and get points as much as possible against the Metropolitan teams. Because if we have to go into tiebreakers to try to get into that third or fourth spot, you know, 
it would be vital if we had a lot of advantages going into it. So getting off to a nice start against a divisional opponent like the New York Islanders is massive. And the second reason, like I just said, it's a confidence booster. Because here's the thing. The two biggest things that we've noticed recently is this. The penalty kill has been a lot better and the power play has been a lot better. All of a sudden, we score on the, we score on the penalty kill and we kill off that penalty and we score on the power play. Again, that's three goals. That's three power play goals in two games. That is incredibly impressive that all of a sudden we're starting to get a lot more success on that situation. And that is so, so very important for this team because, again, we know how bad the penalty kill has been. We know how bad the power play can be. And for them to score and to create success, create a lot of shots, is is just so important. It's just incredible. It's absolutely incredible. The Devils penalty kill, three for three. And the Devils power play, one for two. That's pretty good. That's going to win you some games. That's going to win you some games against some tough opponents. And you know what? Even though the Devils are outshot, it was only 42 to 34. The Devils put up well over 30 shots in this game. And the difference between why the Devils won and why the Islanders didn't win was simply this. The Devils took advantage of opportunities when they were given them. The Islanders did not. And look, the Islanders still created a lot of opportunities. But as I was talking to my friend Kim Moisa, she said, quite frankly, we're just not converting. Guys are not stepping up. Um, but again, like I said, that's going to change, I, I feel, for the Islanders team. But for the Devils, again, we've talked about before how it would be great for the Devils to not only get off to a good start to begin the season, but actually like continue it moving forward. 7-3-2 and two after 12 games is pretty damn good. It's pretty damn good. And I remember talking to some Devils fans and saying, are we good? Like, are we legitimately good? Is this, are we, you know, is this like last year where we got off to a really good start, thought we were good, then COVID hit, and then we just went down from there? I think it's different. This team is a lot different. This team believes in themselves. And you can see the confidence growing and growing and growing. And getting a victory like this against the Metropolitan Division team was so very important. So again, the Devils come away at home with a 4 nothing victory against the New York Islanders. And Mackenzie Blackwood got himself his first shutout of the year and also his third shutout of his career with 40 or more saves, which moves him ahead of the legendary goaltender himself, Martin Bardera, for the most shutouts in Devils history, having to make 40 or more saves. So that's pretty good company to, uh, to pass. So that was very, very good. The 4 nothing victory, Devils make it a three-game winning streak and have clinched a winning record on the homestand as they've won the first two of three on this homestand. So now we'll shift things over to Saturday afternoon's game at the Rock against the Boston Bruins. A Bruins team that we beat five times last year and also shut them out twice. Why? I cannot explain to you how we had that much success. It's just one of those things. It happens every year. Uh, with every team. They just have that one opponent that they seem to just have more success against, um, whether they're good or bad, and you can't explain it. And that was kind of the crazy thing. We would struggle mightily against Buffalo. We couldn't beat um, the Capitals at all. Uh, we were up and down against the Islanders and the Rangers. But when we played Boston, we, we were just super confident, and we would win games that I don't think we were expected to win. That was kind of the crazy thing. Blackwood got a shutout, and so did Scott Wedgwood. Scott Wedgwood got a shutout against the mighty Boston Bruins in that perfection line. That was the thing I could not explain. But you go into this game, and number one, I'll just say right off the bat, I personally hate it, hate it when the Devils play afternoon games. Um, 
I, I would be more specific. Let me be more specific than that. Anytime they play it like 12 or one, I hate it. If they play it like three or four, that's fine. To me, it's just simply that you have to all of a sudden expedite your routine. And, and granted, yes, the other team has to deal with it as well. It's not like the Devils are the only ones. Um, but it's still very frustrating because you would like to have it be a night game and kind of go from there and everything like that. I could also understand why they made this a day game and why they made the game against the Rangers on Sunday uh, a night game. So that both teams, because the Rangers played on Saturday night and the Devils played on Sunday afternoon. So they wanted to give both teams an opportunity to rest and, uh, you know, be relatively ready to go uh, for that game on Sunday. But I just... I'm just not a big fan of those games because the Devils usually don't do well in day games. They always look like they get off to like slow starts and don't really seem to uh, get themselves rolling. And honestly, the same could be said for this game. Right in the first period, it's not that the Devils didn't play. They didn't play poorly. It wasn't a poor period by any means. It's just that I felt like Boston had a little bit more of a step in them. And granted, they were coming off a poor performance, I think, against the Ottawa Senators um, in their previous game. So clearly they wanted to come out with a better response in this one. So the Devils knew they were going to have their hands full. And you knew that maybe the Devils were feeling a little bit of pressure because you're going into it 7-3-2. and two. You've already clinched the clinched, you know, a successful winning um, homestand. And you're looking to try to win all three games and then get ready to play the Rangers the next day. And I think, let's be honest. Any Devils fan, I think, would agree with me that maybe there was a little bit of cockiness because of the fact that we've gotten off to a good start. And I feel like a game like this is something that this Devils team, this young Devils team needed. Um, because here's the thing. They didn't play poorly. OK, they didn't play poorly. I just felt personally that it was kind of the opposite of the game against the Islanders, where the Devils just took a lot, took advantage of the opportunities that they were given and they won despite being outshot. The Bruins took advantage of the opportunities that they were given and the Devils did not. That was the that was the difference between the Bruins and the Devils in this game. And it started with uh, Eric Hollis scoring on a rebound where basically in the position Ty Smith was not in the right position defensively. He left Hall all alone and Bernier tried to get over there, but it went right through his legs. If it, if it, if he, if Eric Hollis tried to basically lift the puck and tried to shoot it that way, tried to go top shelf. I think Bernier makes the save, but he went through the five hole with, you know, Bernier going from his right to his left, and it's very hard to make that save. Um, but Hollis scores to get his first goal of the year. Uh, Bleed gets his first assist of the year, and Kuhlman gets his first assist of the year. So everybody's getting their first on that goal. They came with about two and a half minutes, a little less than two and a half minutes to go in the period, and that's where things stood after one. So, like, I wasn't, I wasn't angry or anything like that. I wasn't also saying like, oh, here we go again. Like, we're not going to win this game or anything like that. It was like, no, okay, not the world's greatest period, but we're only down by one. And we created some really good opportunities and we got to go through and, you know, we just got to, we just got to regroup, you know, get pucks to the night. Like we've done the last couple of games and we should be able to score. Um, but the Devils, unfortunately, again, got off to a slow start. And as a result, they ended up taking a penalty. So the Bruins went to the power play. And here's the thing. Even though the Devils in the last several games on the penalty kill have been tremendous, I still worried about them giving up a power play goal, especially when you look at the talent that Boston has on the power play. You know, you're freaking, you know, Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, David Pasternak, uh, McAvoy, 
You have Jake DeBrusque. You have a lot of talent that can put the puck in the back of the head. Taylor Hall as well, even though he has been struggling uh, more or less, this, you know, to say uh, for the Bruins this year. But uh, the Bruins were circling the puck. They did a really good job of, of keeping it in. And the Devils just couldn't seem to get a change. And eventually Brad Marchand, acting as like a defenseman, was at the top of the blue line, took a wrist shot through a screen, and it beat Jonathan Bernier to give the Bruins a 2-0 lead. And look, say what you want about Brad Marchand being a pain in the ass and a pest. Uh, he's just a very, very good hockey player who can score at will. This guy is very, very good, and he's very dangerous. And he proved it by scoring that goal, getting his seventh of the year. Uh, McAvoy getting his seventh assist of the season. And Patrice Bergeron getting his seventh of the season. So a lot of these guys are uh, getting their first or their seventh points of the season um, in the first two goals for Boston. But what I love is that just 28 seconds later, a great passing sequence. Absolutely wonderful passing sequence. Jesper Brack comes down the right side. He's got a two-on-one with Andreas Janssen. John, you know, Brad gets it over to Johnson. Johnson then sees a streaking Dawson Mercer coming up the middle of the ice, crashing in it, passes it to him, and then Mercer, with Swayman down, goes top shelf, beats Swayman, and the Devils have cut the deficit to one, making it two to one. Dawson Mercer just continuing as he becomes just the second rookie to get the 10 points or more on the season, gets his fifth goal of the year, Andreas Johnson with his fifth assist, and Jesper Bratt with his sixth assist. And I talked about it before, but I'll talk about it again. This freaking second line of Andreas Johnson, Dawson Mercer, and Jesper Bratt, they are rolling right now. And I'm not saying anything like you got to move all three of them up to the first line. Just if you're Lindy Ruff, don't touch it. Don't do nothing. These guys are rolling right now. These guys are creating a lot of offense and scoring a lot of goals. You've got to keep them together as much as possible because their chemistry has been absolutely phenomenal. And so the Devils were able to just 28 seconds after going down 2 nothing, cut the deficit to 2-1. to one. And so you felt pretty good. It's like, okay, we got a goal. Now we're in this game. Now we're creating some more opportunities. And the Devils, for a couple minutes after, did create some really, really good chances. We saw Pavel Zaka had a breakaway earlier and almost scored. You just felt like with the way the game was going that the Devils were going to score a couple more times. And that's where I felt confident that the Devils were going to find a way to win this game because you could just see them rolling and getting some really good opportunities. But unfortunately, about two minutes later, the Bruins come down the right side. It was a situation where David Pasternak coming down the left side of the Ice. He takes the shot. Brad Marchand, who made the pass to Pasternak, went to the right side and then crashed the net. And he just scored on a rebound. He just kind of whacked it um, after Bernier made the first save. And it beat Bernier. And the Bruins were able to quickly retake the two-goal lead to make it 3-1. to one. Brad Marchand getting his second goal of the game. His eighth of the year. David Pasternak getting his seventh assist. And McAvoy with his second point of the game getting his eighth assist. So that was... I wouldn't necessarily say it was a backbreaking goal, but it was definitely frustrating because, again, it was one of those situations where the Devils were coming on, coming on, coming on, and then the Bruins just come down one opportunity, and they score. And then things kind of settled down after that. Um, and for a while, it was frustrating because it seemed like the Devils had lost all the energy and momentum that they had, and they were just kind of going through the motions. And it was just very, very, it was just very, very frustrating. But then, but then, we just... A little more than 30 seconds to go. The Devils have the puck deep in the Bruins zone. Andreas Johnson is whacking away at it, whacking away. Brack gets it. 
He loses it, but it squeaks out to Dawson Mercer. And Brett does a great job of going from the right side of the net to the other side where he's standing wide open. Dawson Mercer, who's not even looking at Jesper Brad, just, just flicks the puck around it behind him to a wide open Jesper Brad, who one times it into the back of the net. And the Devils, with just a couple seconds left, cut the deficit again to one this time making it three to two. And I was so ecstatic because not only did double score, but again, a late goal that's going to give you a lot of momentum going into that third period. And you knew that the Bruins were a little bit worried about the fact that they gave up that late goal and saying, okay, now we know that the Devils are going to be coming on here in the third period. It's about how do we respond to that? Well, they didn't respond well to start. The Devils came out in the third period like a house on fire. They just threw everything at the net. They had so many really good opportunities. And you just felt like, okay, at some point, the Devils are going to score and they're going to tie this game. And we all knew it. And I bet you the Bruins knew it too, that if the Devils tied the game up, they were going to win this game. They were not going to allow Boston to score again and win this game. If the Devils were going to come all the way back from down 3-1 to win this game, whether it be in regulation or whether it be in a shootout, you just saw the confidence growing and growing and growing. And then we get to about the 11-minute mark, a little bit less than the 11-minute mark. There was a situation where Ryan Graves has the puck. He loses it. He kind of turns his head back, and he gets hit from behind in the back of the neck by a Bruins player. And we all look for a penalty because we thought for sure that would be a cross-checking penalty. No penalty is called. David Potsnock takes the puck. He gets a step on the defenseman. He crashes the net. Bernier makes the save. The puck is loose. There's a whole scramble there. The ref is yet to blow the whistle. And eventually it's Patrice Bergeron who, who pokes the puck into the back of the net. The Bruins get a goal. The ref calls it a goal. No penalty, no nothing. And the Bruins retake the two-goal lead, making it 4-2. to two, With Bergeron getting his sixth goal of the year. Pasternak with his second point, uh, his eighth assist. And McAvoy with his third point, his third assist of the game, getting his ninth. And to be honest with you, that definitely put the game out of reach. I mean, it, it, it obviously did. Um, it just kind of killed any momentum the Devils had. After that, the Devils just struggled to regain the energy. Uh, Ryan Graves did not return from the game, uh, which is obviously one of those things where you're like, can we just go five, six, seven, eight games without an injury to, especially to a key player? Can we just, can we just stay healthy for a while? It, it's just such a backbreaking situation that not only does one of our main defensemen get hurt, but then we end up giving a goal just seconds later. Um, the Devils had some chances uh, to at least score to cut the deficit again, but they could not score again. Jake DeBrus scored an empty net goal, his third of the year, and that was the final at the Prudential Center as the Devils' four-game winning streak, uh, come, no, excuse me, um, three-game winning streak comes to an end. Uh, points in their last four games, that's through that point streak, came to an end, and the Devils finished their homestand still with a positive 2-1 and one record. Um, so, again, it was a very frustrating uh, loss, and with the loss, the Devils dropped to 7-4-2, and with the win, the Bruins moved to 7-5-0. So, you knew going into the next game against the Rangers that the Devils, um, obviously, it's frustrating that they, they lose that game and, they, and Ryan Graves gets hurt, um, but you knew that you had an opportunity to just forget about it and move on to the very next game the next day, which is always great. When you lose a game like that, especially one where you felt like you had some chances to score and to win, you still have some confidence. And it's about regrouping yourself, knowing you're taking on another Metropolitan team, a team that's ahead of you and your biggest rival, and you're playing them on the road. 
you're looking to try to, you know, regain that momentum and come out with a better performance against the Rangers. The NHL season is underway and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a depth deflection, however they like the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So now we shift over to the third and final game of this of this past weekend, basically, and that is against the New York Rangers. It's the first game of the Hudson River rivalry this year in the regular season, and obviously the Devils were looking to try to have a bounce-back victory from, la- from the, the previous game, losing against the Boston Bruins. Rangers coming in, looking to try to win their third in a row. They've really been on a tear of late, and the Devils knew that this was an important game, not just because it was a rivalry game, but also just the fact that the Rangers are a couple of points ahead of the Devils, and this was an opportunity for the Devils to get you know a little bit closer to them in the standings and, and continue to try to move up in the standings in this very tough Metropolitan Division. The Devils did end up going with Mackenzie Blackwood in this game, which I wasn't really surprised. Once you saw that Jonathan Bernier got the start yesterday against the Bruins, that there was a really good chance that um, what uh, Blackwood was going to end up playing against the Rangers. The only surprise really that kind of... Um, I don't know if it was necessarily like that big of a surprise, but it definitely was something that we all noticed was that uh, Alexander Holtz ended up being a scratch in this game. And as far as we know, and we didn't really get anything... Uh, at the end of the game, post game from Lindy Ruff, that we all just assumed that he was probably just a healthy scratch because the Devils posted a picture of him and Dawson Mercer walking into Madison Square Garden prior to the game. So to me, I feel like it was just more of a less, you know, it was just a healthy scratch. And I could sort of understand why they did it because, you know, there have been times where Alexander Holtz has really looked good. And then there's other times where he looks a little bit um, overmatched by some of the play, some of the players that he's been playing against. And, you know, he's hoping that, you know, benching a guy like Holtz um, and also like what he did with benching uh, Sharon Govich, that they could have the result that Jesper Bratt has um has has had since he got benched. Um, if you remember when he got benched, uh, since then he's gotten like 11 or 12 points since that time. So he really has stepped up a lot. And that's kind of the hope that Lindy Rupp is, happening, is having when it comes to benching some of his other guys like Holtz, like Sharon Govich. Um, I don't think it's going to, you know, kill any confidence that Alexander Holtz has. I think it's just an opportunity for him, still very young in his career, to kind of sit back, watch, evaluate, and understand what he has to do to get better. Um, the other big news that we got, which was great, was that uh, Ryan Graves took warm-ups and he did, uh, it was confirmed that he was going to play. So it looks like that maybe the injury that he suffered against the Bruins the day before wasn't as severe, but it was severe enough where he could not continue in the game against the Bruins. 
But you're going into this. The Devils are going up against the backup goaltender for the Rangers, Alexander Georgiev, who's gotten off to a okay start. Um, you know, he's had some games where he's been kind of up and down. So you felt relatively confident that the Devils could have success, have some success against um, against Georgiev. Uh, and when you look at the majority of the first period, um, I would say this. I would say that the Rangers probably had uh, more of the chances, more of the opportunities. They really peppered Blackwood with a lot of shots and created a lot of really good opportunities for themselves. And it did feel like it was only a matter of time before the Rangers found the back of the net. But Blackwood continuing to get off to a very strong start um, this season was making save after save and really keeping the game scoreless. And then we pick things up a little less than five minutes to go in the period. Devils have the puck behind their own net. Subban gets it out to Dawson Mercer and Mercer goes down the right side with great speed. And just as he gets to almost center ice, he makes a long streaking pass to Jesper Brack, who gets behind the defense on a breakaway and goes through the five hole of Alexander Gorgiev and beats him to give the Devils a one nothing lead and Jesper Bratt and that line, as we've talked about the line of Johnson, Mercer and Jesper Bratt just continuing to just cause so much problems for the opposition scoring goals at well and Bratt adding another one that was his fourth of the year Dawson Mercer continuing to get points basically what it seems like in every single game getting his sixth assist PK Subban getting some more points getting his sixth assist of the season and most importantly the Devils grabbed a one nothing lead and that's basically where things stood after the first period so you felt after the first 20 minutes that the Devils kind of got a little bit lucky that they did not concede a goal that Blackwood definitely uh, was a big reason that it was it was one nothing Devils and the Devils took advantage of an opportunity on a breakaway and they cashed in. So then you go to the second period, and this is where um, I wouldn't necessarily say it was like an incredibly frustrating situation, but the goals that were scored by the Rangers were some that I think not necessarily Blackwood would like to have back, but I think the team in general would like to have back. It started about three, a little more than three minutes into the second period, where the Devils were having trouble just getting out of the zone. Damon Severson tried to lift the puck out, and it actually was blocked by the former Norris Trophy winner, Adam Fox, who got it on his backhand and threw a screen just kind of lifted the puck on his backhand and it beat Mackenzie Blackwood top shelf over the right shoulder into the back of the net and the Rangers tied the game at one Adam Fox goal was his fourth of the year it did come unassisted so that was just a bad clearance attempt by Damon Severson which resulted in a goal but you know it's not the end of the world the game is tied Devils are still playing relatively well you know you're not worrying about it too much um and things uh then kind of went back to being back and forth where both teams had some really good opportunities. Devils at one point had a three-on-one that they couldn't cash in on. And Jesper Boquist had a really good chance, which I have to say, since Boquist got recalled up from Utica, he has looked way more confident. He looks like a guy that's understood his role on this team a lot more, has finally found a role. And I think that that's really important for a guy who's still very, very young, even with a ton of NHL experience, is still very, very, very young. Um, but the Rangers also had some good opportunities and then we pick it up with, you know, about 11 and a half minutes into this second period where it was a situation where Capo Caco kind of takes a shot, um, from the left side from almost like a sharp angle. Uh, Blackwood makes the save. The puck kind of bounces up in the air and it was almost like, uh, behind Mackenzie Blackwood. And I believe it was Jacob Truba who kind of whacked out of midair. It fell behind Blackwood, didn't cross the line. But then Alexis Lafreniere, the former number one overall pick from two years ago, 
knock the puck into the back of the net to score and give the Rangers the two to one lead. I do argue a little bit, not a whole lot, but I do argue a little bit that I think that there was a little bit of a high sticking there on Jacob Truba. I think he hit the puck um, with a high stick, but I don't know if they would disallow the goal even because Truba wasn't the one that scored. He just kind of knocked it in the air, but still, I feel like that that should have been called for a high stick. It wasn't, and Lafreniere gets his fourth goal of the year, and most importantly, the Rangers take the two-to-one lead. But the Devils, less than two minutes later, on the power play, a power play that has continued to improve game in and game out, gets another opportunity. Dougie Hamilton takes the puck behind his net, kind of sets it up. He tried to make a pass to Brett. It hit off of Brett's skate and went directly right back to Dougie Hamilton's stick. Dougie Hamilton came in and skated down the left side, and he took a wrist shot through a screen from a Ranger defenseman over the right shoulder of Georgiev and into the back of the net to tie the game up at two. It was definitely an impressive goal, impressive job overall by Dougie Hamilton, and he gets his fourth of the year. Jesper Bratt with his second point of the game, his first assist, his seventh assist of the year, and Pavel Zaka getting his fourth assist, and the Devils continuing to have more and more success on the power play, which is great, absolutely great. Um, and that's where things stood. After two periods of play, it's two to two. So you go into the third feeling pretty good that you've uh, you've you know you've dealt with every single type of big blow that the Rangers have thrown at you. And I felt very very confident that the Devils were going to find a way to win this game. There was really never a moment in this game until probably later on where I didn't feel like the Devils were going to win this game. I felt confident from the majority of the game just because of the way that they played against Boston and the opportunities they had, particularly in the third period, going into. To this and just basically recently how the Devils have been playing, I just felt very, very confident that the Devils were going to find a way to win this game. And then we had an unfortunate situation about three, four minutes in where the Rangers uh, were trying to keep the puck in the ozone. Sammy Blay on the far left side tries to go get the puck. He's hounded by P.K. Subban and Blay goes into the boards awkwardly with his right leg and he's down on the ice and immediately is in pain and he can't put any pressure on that leg and he ended up having to be carried off by a trainer and a teammate to the locker room um and he would not return to the game i actually don't i don't know what the status of him is i'm sure they're saying lower body but you know who knows um and the thing that was upsetting was number one it involved pk suban but when you look at the play itself and i understand that pk suban has a has a history just this year with the way that things have happened. You know, he had he had the dangerous, um, what looked like to be a slew foot in the preseason against Ryan Reeves and the Rangers. Um, he took a dangerous penalty against uh, Milan Lucic when they played Calgary. And then another situation where he, um, he kind of tripped up Troy Terry. I think it was Troy Terry or Zegers. I think it was Zegers, actually. He tripped Zegers uh, against the Anaheim Ducks uh, the week before. So P.K. Subban obviously has had a history just this year of some, you know, we'll call it illegal type of plays. But to me personally, I didn't think that this was that... um, I didn't think there was much intent with this. I didn't think that P.K. Subban did that deliberately. Um, I can understand the Rangers' frustration and to get angry about it because they they have a history with P.K. Subban from just this year and have known what he has done. Um, and they look at it and they consider it a dirty hit. 
Um, the thing that I didn't like that I found out later on was that there were a handful of Rangers fans that took the social media that made a lot of very racist comments uh, against P.K. Subban. I will say this. I understand feeling frustrated about the play and feeling like that P.K. Subban did that with intent, which I don't think he did. Um, but for people to go on social media and say racist things, that just proves that despite everything that this country has done to continue to try to you know, eradicate racism and to improve society, that there are still many people like this that will go to social media, really have the balls to go to social media and say racist and, and very big slurs to you know, just a professional athlete, to a human being. And that's where I lose a lot of respect for, for people. And this is exactly why I've said it before that it's not the Rangers organization or players that I don't like. It's the fan base. I hate saying this because, again, it does sound biased with me being a Devils fan, but this is exactly the type of crap that I cannot stand with Rangers fans, is that they do stuff like this all of the time. They complain about this stuff, and then they have the balls to go on social media and say racist stuff, and then you'll have other fans that say, oh, well, we don't associate with them. No, but they're still part of your fan base. You, you have to accept the fact that these people are part of your fan base. This is just the reality of it, and I, and I would say shame on those Rangers fans are saying that i understand it's unfortunate i understand that it's it's terrible that sammy blay got hurt i understand the frustration that pk subin was involved but you can see from the play that pk subin really didn't do anything his stick wasn't out he didn't do anything he was just trying to get the puck and it was just an unfortunate situation where sammy blay is coming very hard towards the board to try to get the puck lost his balance and collided into the boards that happens all the time that happens all the time. If there was a situation where, you know, Chris Kreider um, was next to one of the Devils players and that happened, I would immediately jump to the conclusion that, oh, Chris Kreider, you know, being a dirty player that he is at times, he, you know, that was his fault. If I saw it the same way with that, I would say, okay, it looks like it was more of just a freak accident. And that's just what it is. I can also understand how people would say it is a freak accident, but P.K. Subban does have a history. I understand that. But at the same time, P.K. Subban did not do that deliberately. And again, anybody who went on social media and said very racist comments to P.K. Subban because of just that play, that is very low for you. And you should feel ashamed of it. You should feel ashamed of yourself. And you are part of the problem as to why racism continues to be so strong in this country, because you just decide to say this stuff without even coming close to thinking about it. So I would just say this. I feel horrible. For Sammy Blay, I hope it's not a severe injury, even though it looks pretty bad. I'm with P.K. Subban that he did not deliberately do that. And I'm 100% against the people that decided to say those horrible things about P.K. Subban on social media. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. Regardless of the situation. Unacceptable. I would say the same thing if I saw Devils fans doing that. It's unacceptable. It's disgusting. And it has no place in society. So I'm just going to leave it at that. But going back to the game, um, you definitely felt like the Rangers kind of uh, used that as a rallying cry that they were going to come out and be way more aggressive and certainly be more physical. And with six and a half minutes into the second, into the third period, Capo Caco, the former second overall pick behind Jack Hughes, 
comes down the right side, uses the nice power move, and goes right into Mackenzie Blackwood. Doesn't deliberately hit him, but kind of since he had his arm up, he hits Mackenzie Blackwood in the face, in the mask, with his elbow, and is still able to get the puck past Blackwood and into the back of the net to give the Rangers the 3-2 to two lead. Here, here is my whole thinking. I don't personally believe that Capo Caco did that on purpose. I don't believe that that was with intent. I believe that that was just a situation where he was coming in very, very close, trying to create some space off of the defenseman. And he just, he had no room to move and he ended up just hitting and colliding with, with Mackenzie Blackwood. What I do have a problem with is that Lindy Ruff did not challenge that call. Now, Lindy Ruff said after the game that the reason he didn't challenge the play was simply because of the fact that he felt like it could really go either way. And he didn't want to have the goal still count. And then the Rangers get a power play. And that's a double-edged sword, which would have put the which could have very well put the game out of reach at that point. So really, I can understand it, but I still think you should have challenged it because I think that there was a legitimate case for goalie interference. Because Again, Blackwood gets hit in the face with an elbow by Capo Caco. And the other thing is that a concussion spotter at the game, which is at every single hockey game, actually took Blackwood out of the game and he did not return. So that was really the whole frustrating situation where it was like, well, what are we going to do now? How are the Devils going to respond to this? And Jonathan Bernier came in, didn't worry about it too much because I felt like, you know, even though Bernier had a, not the greatest game the day before. I still felt like, no, he's going to make some saves when we need him to. And he certainly did. He came into a tough situation, and I felt like that he did as good of a job as anybody could. Um, but like I said, Blackwood would not return. Lindy Ruff said after the game he didn't have any word as to the severity of Blackwood's um, concussion. So we'll have to see what happens on Monday or even Tuesday. Um uh, prior to the game against the Senators as to what the severity of this injury is. But hopefully it's not too severe. It is probably a concussion. The The best case scenario is that it's like whiplash. But it's, I mean, if Blackwood couldn't come back in the game, if the spotters didn't want to put him back in the game, it might have been worse than we're led on to believe. But, you know, knock on wood that, it, that it's not. But the Devils continue to try to, you know, to fight, to try to get back in this game, to try to tie it up. And then with just about two and a half minutes to go, Devils coming down into the offensive zone. Nico Kishir has the puck, gives it over to Tatar. Tatar takes a shot. Um, this was really weird. Um, it was one of those things where, like, it took a shot. It popped up in the air. Pavel Zaka got, was able to knock the puck down, take a shot. It was stopped by Georgiev, but he got the rebound and beat Georgiev to tie the game up at three. And Pavel Zaka continuing to score those big clutch goals. Devils getting another late goal like they've done several times this year. Zaka with his seventh goal of the year. Nico Hisha with his seventh assist. And Tomas Tatar with his fifth assist. And the game was tied at three. And that's where we were at the end of three periods. So the Devils, you know, were able to come back twice from being down a goal to eventually force overtime. And so you felt really good going into overtime that, okay, we have a chance to take this whole game. We'll only be able to catch the Rangers by a point, but still getting that second point would be so sweet, a bounce back victory after the loss at home to Boston the day before. 
Devils had a couple of opportunities. Jesper Bratt had a breakaway, and he tried to score the same way he scored the first time against Georgiev, tried to go five-hole, but Georgiev made the save. John DeBernier had to make some tough point-blank saves. Uh, the Devils at one point were able to keep the puck in the ozone for about a minute and change, uh, but couldn't score. Damon Severson made a couple really good defensive plays at the end of overtime to deny the Rangers of a really of any sort of really good opportunity to score. And at the end of the five-minute overtime, there still was no uh, next goal. So we had to go to the dreaded shootout. And again, you don't, as a Devils fan who has watched this team before, you never feel like confident that the Devils are going to win the shootout, but you were always, you're always hoping that they get a couple of good opportunities. Um, in the first round, Damon Severson missed the net, and Amika Zibanejad got denied by the, by the glove save of Jonathan Bernier. Then we go to the second round. Jesper Brad is able to score to beat Georgiev to give the Devils the lead, but then Capo Kako comes right back and answers, and the shootout is tied at one. So you go to round three, Dougie Hamilton with a weird goal where Georgiev makes a save, but it pops over his shoulder and just goes beyond the line and scores, and the Devils have the lead. And so now all Jonathan Bernie has to do is stop Artemi Panarin, and the Devils win the shootout. But Panarin goes top shelf. It was just a great goal. Not much you can really do if you're Jonathan Bernier. He scores, and the shootout continues. Go to the next round. Dawson Mercer and Alexis Lafreniere both have a shot. They both get denied by the goaltenders. Then Andreas Johnson, who continuing to build confidence after confidence after confidence, he scores to give the Devils the lead again. So once again, Jonathan Bernier and the Devils just need a save, and they win this game in the shootout. But Ryan Strome scores. He beats Jonathan Bernier, and so we continue on to the sixth round. And then it's Tomas Tatar who comes in with a really good opportunity. He has Georgiev beat. Georgiev is down on his stomach, but he but Georgiev is able to lift his right leg pad, the back of his right leg pad, and make a scorpion-like save on Tatar to deny him. And that was just, a, it was so frustrating because you felt like that that was the moment that where the Devils were going to score and then they're going to make the save and win the game. But they don't. And then the Rangers sent out former Devil, Kevin Rooney. And I was thinking to myself, please don't. Don't let it be Kevin Rooney that beats the Devils. Um, but he came in very, very quickly and took a, a wrist shot that was denied by Jonathan Bernier. So we go to the seventh round. Pavel Zaka, he tried to go to his backhand, tried to see if he can catch Georgiev out of position. He couldn't. And so then it was up to Chris Kreider, who came in, started slow. They came in with speed. And it was just a smooth thing where he went from his forehand to his backhand. And he just was able to easily beat Jonathan Bernier. And he actually ended up doing P.K. Subban's goal celebration at the end. And the Rangers, in the seventh round, beat the Devils in the shootout and win the game by the score of 4-3. to three. And so that was definitely – I don't want to say it was a back-breaking loss. It was definitely a frustrating loss because you had – three opportunities between overtime and shootout where the, you could have won the game, particularly with two opportunities to just make one save to win it in a shootout. And you didn't. So this type of loss definitely stings. Uh, the positive though, that you can look from it is that again, we scored another power play goal. We scored three plus goals, which is obviously great. We scored three goals. Uh, it's unfortunate that Mackenzie Blackwood got hurt, but Jonathan Bernier, I felt like, came in and did a really, really good job of holding down the fork. He, it wasn't his fault that we lost this game, albeit, though, 
he should have made at least one of those two saves when we had an opportunity to just win the game in a shootout at that point. But uh, the Devils fought back twice, forced overtime, got a point, um, and continue to, to get points. That's points in, what, five of the last six games. And when you really look at it, you look at this whole week. You look at this past week that the Devils had. They had the victory against the Florida Panthers. Then they beat the New York Islanders, lost to the Bruins, and then lost in a shootout to the Rangers. So that's five of a possible eight points that you could have gotten against some very, very tough opponents, against a very good Panthers team who the Devils are facing once again this week, this time in Florida. Uh, you took on an Islanders team that definitely has championship aspirations, a tough Bruins team. You, you, you did what you could, but, you know, just the bounce didn't go your way. And a Rangers team that's definitely on the up and up um, and definitely has a lot of skill and just were able to take advantage of the opportunity when it was presented to them at the most important time. And they won the game. But the Devils have a lot to um, be happy about. There's a lot to improve 100 percent. And luckily, the Devils will have a day off tomorrow against uh, uh, Monday, and then they will regroup and once again are at home when they take on the Ottawa Senators.